Good morning. Welcome to Advent. Here's your hug. As we begin today's worship service, I want to offer a special word of gratitude to Dr. Marsha McPhee and the people of Worship Design Studio. They took the time to create worship services that can be done from home or at social distancing, and we are grateful. Thank you, Dr. Marsha and friends. Welcome to Advent United Methodist Church and our Palm Sunday worship service. Thank you for connecting with us however you decided to connect with us today, whether it be through the YouTube channel or through the podcast. We encourage you to share your comments on the side if you're watching on the YouTube channel because it gives us an amazing ability to interact. Although I cannot believe I'm encouraging you to talk during the worship service. Listen to the sermon and focus on the sermon. <laughs> Today is typically a Communion Sunday, and since we cannot be in the sanctuary, we are going to do something a little bit different. This past month, during our sermon series, Anointed to Build, we've been building a table in the hopes that someday we could gather around it. And the table we were building is a symbol of our Christian mission. Today, the table is complete, and we are going to gather around it wherever we might be this day. So instead of communion, we are inviting you to participate something in a more traditional, historical Wesleyan tradition called the Love Feast. So light a candle as a symbol of the Holy Spirit marking this time together, and gather around your table to eat as though we are dining together, and here, the invitation of God to come and dine. Come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. There is plenty at God's table all the time. He who fed the multitude turned the water into wine. To the hungry calleth now, come and dine, amen. Come and dine, and let us worship.
We shout from our homes, Hosanna. We shout from the streets, Hosanna. From the sidelines hidden away, we whisper Hosanna. Looking for a mighty savior, come rescue us, we shout Hosanna. We offer welcome from wherever you find us, Hosanna. And you offer back to us your peace, presence, and grace. And you offer back to us your peace, your presence, and your grace. And you offer back to us your peace, your presence, and your grace. Because it also includes table blessing. So I do hope 
that you'll take a moment now, if you haven't already, to bring some, some food to your table. Maybe it's just a cup of coffee, maybe it's a full hot breakfast, maybe it's a bowl of Cheerios that you've managed to scrounge around and find in your home. Whatever it is that you're eating, go take a moment now to find that and come on back. When we break bread together as a church in worship, we remember that Jesus invited folks to his table as part of his ministry, not just at the Last Supper. So we wanted to create a way for all of us together, apart, <laughs> to join together in a meal with whatever it is we have in our homes. Indeed, what we've asked you to do is prepare your favorite comfort food. For those of you who are watching now on YouTube during our normal worship time, perhaps you have in front of you some breakfast food. If you're listening via podcast, you may just um, lift, a, lift your cup and uh, be thankful for whatever food you have before you today. Jesus used the parable of the great banquet to which all people are invited in order to talk about what the kingdom of God, the family of God, looks like. He said, go out to the highways and the byways, the back alleys, urge people to come in so the house will be filled. He often invited the most unlikely guests to join in his meal times, which often confused the disciples. In this way, he was encouraging a deeper love and connection beyond the typical and social norms. He knew that we humans need connections and inclusion. Jesus comforts us saying, you, you have a place at the table. And then Jesus challenges us to make sure we're doing the same. That all people know they are welcome in our hearts, in our homes, in our churches, even, even when we can't physically be with each other. It's difficult in this moment not to hear some of the people we love and those whom we might be worried about. Take a moment now, pause and think about, perhaps even say out loud or type it in the comments, who it is you wish was sitting with you right now. Who would be at your table if you could have them there today? Jesus is no longer physically on earth, yet every time we gather around a table, we are calling him to mind. He is present with us in spirit. And so too, our loved ones are with us. May this be a comfort to us. We also want to call to mind the people we don't know by name, the people whose names we will never know, but we know that they too need our prayers and God's comfort. And so today, we pray. We pray for those who have lost loved ones, for those who are sick and recovering, for those who are caring for loved ones who are sick at home. 
for those who are offering care in hospitals or care centers, hospice homes, and more. For those who are separated from their loved ones, for those who are feeling alone and isolated. Oh, for all those who are helping and are so very tired. For those who are struggling to find food and comfort. For those who are afraid For those who are dealing with chronic illnesses and cancer. For those who need a comforting touch, the comforting touch of knowing that they are surrounded by the love of a host of people. All of these, all of these we lift before you, God. Now I invite you to take a deep breath on behalf of all those who we do not know and cannot call by name. And as we do so, we know that God who needs our prayers and the spirit, the breath of God, is blowing from within us and outward as the spirit of compassion and presence. Breathe in. Feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Breathe out comfort and compassion. Blessings at the table are part of our Judeo-Christian heritage. Indeed, Jesus adapted his Jewish ritual blessing that he used before and after meals from that ritual prayer. And he's asking us to remember him every time we break bread and lift a cup in thanksgiving. This is why our prayers and our communion are called the great thanksgiving. In the feast of love and comfort, we can call to mind things for which we are deeply grateful. I invite you to speak aloud a couple of things that you are grateful for right this very moment. And so I invite you to raise a plate of something or a cup of something, a glass of whatever you're drinking, and let's bless it in this way. And you can repeat after me at home. Holy Comforter, we gather in your name, invited by Jesus, bound together with your spirit, in union with each other. Feed our bodies and our spirits with your comforting presence so that we might be comfort to others. Bless this food 
and break open our hearts. Bless this drink and pour out your love. Amen. Okay, that's one. Palm Sunday Gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, telling about Jesus coming to Jerusalem as a king. When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus gave two disciples a task. He said to them, go into the village over there. As soon as you enter, you will find a donkey tied up and a colt with it. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say their master needs them. He sent them off right away. Now this all happened to fulfill what the prophet Zechariah had said. Say to daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble, riding on a donkey and on a colt, the donkey's offspring. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had ordered them. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them. Then Jesus sat on them. Now a large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others cut palm branches off the trees and spread them on the road amongst the clothes. The crowds in front of him and behind him shouted, Hosanna to the King of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds answered, it's the prophet, Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. To Gaetti, for the first time ever, the Minnesota Twins are the world champions. Congratulations. 
After Minneapolis, a brief cleanup, then the trip across a closed freeway, an accommodation usually reserved for presidents and snowplows, and the ride through downtown St. Paul, the crowd packed more tightly than Minneapolis. The crowd seems to get louder and louder. They push in closer and closer. And one of the more bizarre scenes is, right behind us, a team owner who nearly incites the crowd into a riot every time he stands up and waves his hanky. Again, a mass of humanity that looked impassable that finally parted to let their heroes pass. I don't know. I got graffiti in my brain right now. I think I ain't got time to think right now. My brain is numb. It's the most incredible thing I've ever, ever experienced or even hoped to experience. It seems very strange today. <laughs> to open up a Palm Sunday sermon with something as frivolous as a baseball game, even if that game was a World Series championship. It seems especially odd given everything that's going on in our nation and our lives right now. But it is a very useful image, and I want to invite you to remember it. You see, Palm Sunday is shaped by tradition. It is children marching around the sanctuary with palms. It's parents and grandparents throwing their hands in the air and their palms and waving around themselves, acting like children. Palm Sunday is music and shouting Hosanna. These traditions remind us of our childhood and the joy of earlier Easter celebrations. The problem is our traditions can overwhelm the historical events, casting a shadow on their meaning, a shadow which blocks us from completely seeing or appreciating what was taking place in Jesus's time. Now, I could spend hours trying to explain the historical context to you, but I know it would put you asleep. Besides, how effective is it to explain emotion with words? It isn't, it, isn't it easier to understand an emotion if you can recall a similar one? I think it is, and so I want you to remember 1987 and the Minnesota Twins' miracle run to become the World Series champions. The first thing I want you to remember is how unexpected it was for the Twins to win the World Series. In 1986, the year before the World Series, the Twins finished 20 games below 500. For the non-baseball fan, that means they lost 20 more games than they won. It was the second worst record in all of baseball. Even in 1987, the Twins barely won more games than they lost. They beat a Detroit Tiger team, which completely dominated the regular season, only to face a far superior St. Louis Cardinal team in the World Series, a Cardinal team full of veterans with World Series experience. No one expected them to win their division, no one expected them to win the American League, and no one expected them to beat the Cardinals for the World Series. For the diehard fans, that season was like a dream come true. You could not believe what was happening right in front of your eyes. Everything in the world that you had ever hoped for as a fan was taking place and it provided an indescribable feeling of joy. In 1987, even casual fans became diehard fans overnight, and you can't blame them. That team held the entire state in the palm of its hand. People wanted to be on for the ride. The commotion and energy of those nine days of the World Series even drew in non-baseball fans, and you probably remember them. They were the people who asked the diehard fans, 
Who is that curvy guy running around in that big grassy area? He is so much fun to watch. <laughs> I'll let you put yourself in the category that best suits you. But think of those groupings as you listen to the Palm Sunday story. Jesus is an unexpected hero. For 30 years, he was nothing more than a carpenter's son. And even then, his ministry has all been on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And now that he enters the big city, not, he's not all that far removed from comments like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? His disciples are the hard, diehard fans. They have been by his side the entire journey. They've been chased out of towns, and they have left them fearing for their lives. But now everything that they hoped for was coming true. The man who they left everything to follow was becoming the Messiah they hoped he would be. The excitement of the entry into Jerusalem moved even the casual followers into vocal supporters, adding to the size of the crowd. Still, there are those who are not fans, but take notice. They are the ones in the story who ask, who is this? Next, I want you to remember the day of the parade. Can you remember the energy of it? If you were in Minnesota, were you there that day? And what were you feeling? No matter what level of interest that parade played for you or where you lived, each one of you have an equivalent role in the story of Jesus's original Palm Sunday experience. See, if you are clamoring to see the players, you understand those who clamor to see Jesus. If you just wanted to be in attendance, then you know what it feels like to get caught up in the enthusiasm of the moment without being totally invested. Then you can also understand those who faded quickly from the scene when the events changed. Maybe you were one looking on saying to yourself, what's the big deal? If you were not there at the parade and had no clue the parade was taking place, it should remind you really big events happen without everyone being aware of them. And just because everyone was not aware of it does not mean it was a big deal to many. But then again, you also represent the bulk of Christians. Just like your only connection to the 1987 Twins Championship Parade are the words from friends and witnesses, so too, our only connection as Christians to the actual Palm Sunday are the words of the witnesses. My point is not to put anyone on a scale of how you should respond. I simply want you to realize how we can understand the actual event without actually being there. Now I want you, if you were there, to remember when the parade was over. How long did that joy last, and how fulfilling was it? And what expectations did that event place in your mind? Were you still aware of the possibility of winning a World Series three years later when the Twins finished in dead last place? The bulk of the members of the 1987 Twins had one more miracle run in them. In 1991, they pulled off one of the greatest worst-to-first stories in the history of all sports two World Series championships in five years, starts to set an expectation of many victories to come. But now, it's been almost 30 years since the Twins last won the World Series. 
the children lined the streets, the children that lined the streets of Minneapolis and St. Paul to watch the parade in 1987 now have their own children. The hope of victory told to those children are becoming a tired old story told by parents. They wonder, when will it happen again? And when it doesn't, they begin to lose interest in the possibility of winning. Expectation stands on both sides of the Palm Sunday event. For the people of Israel, it had been 400 years of silence since God spoke to the prophets. God had been silent until Jesus. Jesus was so much more than a miracle worker. He was a prophet who returned to speak and guide the people. The people bring that expectation into the Palm Sunday experience. When the day turns from victory to arrest, really all kidding aside, if you're a Twins fan, you know the emotion. Seriously. Last fall, while up on the Gunflint Trail, Peggy and I went to a bar to grab a burger for dinner and watch the Twins play the Yankees in the playoffs. The entire room was full of Twins fan, fans. The entire room was full of expectation. When the Yankees blew out the Twins in the very first game, all the emotions of the people surrounding Jesus' passion were on full display on the Gunflint Trail. Two guys, became angry. Their actions were borderline violent. Their words certainly were violent. Some were quieter, but equally angry. Others just lost all sense of joy and hope. And many of them even said out loud, boy, we had hoped this would be the year. How people reacted to Jesus are authentic when expectations, especially high expectations, are not met. Our expectations of a winning season took a really dramatic turn three weeks ago. We have gone from the hope of a winning season to the hope we will see a game again. But even the hope of winning a championship seems minor to everything else going on. I began this sermon with a wonderful memory, a reminder of hope and the joy of victory. Now I'm ending it with an empty stadium in an empty sanctuary. This weekend was supposed to be the Twins' home opener. It is also Palm Sunday. Our expectation was that both of these arenas would be full, and they're not. I cannot think of a more appropriate image for Palm Sunday than these. Our traditions, our expectations, that get in the way of the message. We think an empty sanctuary is defeat. And even though Jesus' Palm Sunday starts with a parade and ends with the same kind of emptiness, we can't understand that emptiness when it comes to us. The, past, the pace of the story happens to change our expectations. Our hope is not defined by human victory or a prominent place in history. Our hope is the expectation that no matter what happens this day, we are given the ability to look beyond, to look beyond the isolation of arrest to see communion with God, to look beyond humiliation to see victory, 
most importantly, to look beyond death to see new life. The dramatic change on Palm Sunday turns our expectation from something easily broken into an expectation of unshakable hope and joy. May the emptiness of this place and time not be a reason for your despair, but the foundation of the promise which fills your heart with peace. Amen. Worthy of all our prayers. 
it's time for call to action. I apologize that call to action man can't be here today. Um, he pulled a hamstring last week, spinning around and is laid up. So he's in our thoughts and prayers. Um, but I wanted to share with you a couple of important details that are happening right now at Advent United Methodist Church. Number one, many of you are aware that Julie Adams is beginning her battle with cancer and the treatments to, um, to move her forward into health. And so as a result of that, she has decided to step down from her job um, in the office. Um, and Kathy staff will be picking up many of Julie's duties um, as we move forward. We keep Julie and Tom and the entire family in our prayers. And if you need to get a hold of Kathy, we're encouraging you to do that more through email uh, because of the um, inconsistent office hours that we're having. So contact her at info at advent-umc.com. We are still receiving and processing mail. However, we're having the mail held and picking it up on Tuesdays and Thursdays from the post office. So you can continue to mail um, contributions to our different giving initiatives or your weekly offerings. It just may take a little bit longer time to process everything that you send in, but we encourage you to continue to use more traditional mail. The office is not maintaining any kind of specific hours these days. We are encouraging staff to come in individually to do the tasks that they need to do. We're trying to limit the number of people in this building coming in at any given time to just one person with here and there exceptions. Um, I want you to know also that we are not going to be doing a newsletter, that our main form of communication right now is the Advent Connect. So please pay attention to that Advent Connect. We send it out every Thursday. If you don't get it in your email, um, we will get it mailed out to you as well. Um, if you're trying to contact me, um, I encourage you to contact me through my cell phone. Feel total freedom to call me on my cell phone. The only problem is, as we go public with these worship services, like on YouTube or a podcast or even on the phone uh, answering machine in the office, it, it gets my cell phone out and gets it out too public. We already are getting a lot more sketchy emails coming in. So if you email me, it comes to my phone. On my uh, email, I always list my cell phone. Please is uh, showing you the tremendous response we've received from you regarding all the different initiatives we have going on this time. This is going to be a difficult time for a lot of people. Your gifts and your giving to the different things that we are supporting are critically important. Easter, our hope, is not just an Easter theme. It is the thing that we live by, and it is the thing that we seek to model in all that we do. Thank you. O Christ, you entered the city as a poor man, not in style, but simply. Yet still you caused uproar and questions everywhere. You drew the expectations of a hungry crowd and brought buried conflicts to the light. May we, who are sometimes swayed by the crowd's approval and who often avoid conflict for fear of its costs to us, Hold fast to the gospel of peace and justice and follow faithfully in your way of compassion and solidarity with those who are poor and excluded wherever it may lead us. Amen. May you run.
It is a long-standing tradition going all the way back to the beginnings for Advent church gatherings to close in the Lord's Prayer. So join me now in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As our time together draws to a close and we hear these words of benediction, these are the words that will lead us into this week ahead, this holy, holy week. And now, gracious God, we lay down the palm branches, and with them we lay down our belief that there is any other way for you to be God. As the last echo of the final Alleluia fades, so does our hope that this journey can end in any other way. The week stretches ahead, glory-less and painful. Whether we walk with all faith or none, we look toward the cross, knowing it is both the most human and most divine of all journeys. Travel this road with courage, with love, and with the uneasy peace that is the gift of faith that will take you into these holiest moments, the holiest of weeks. Amen. So oh.